0: Well, can you tell that we're a little bit excited today? And the reason we are so excited is because we get to welcome all of you for the first time with us live at Faith Troy at Home. We are so glad that you're able to be with us today as we are together in the room. For the last several weeks, we have been in a series called Stuck. And if this is your first time with us, if this is your first time watching today then you're kind of coming in at the tail end of the movie, but that's okay because every week in this series we've said that all of us, all of us at some point in our lives, we've all found ourselves stuck in one way or another, whether it's financially or professionally, academic or relationally. Some of us are stuck right now, and for those of us who aren't, we recognize that the truth is we're just one dumb decision away, right? One dumb decision away either that we're going to make or that somebody else is going to make that's going to result in us being stuck. We said that's the whole reason why Jesus says, yank the plank, right? When you see people in life who are critical uh, or who are stuck, not to be critical of them, but to remember, you know, to look in the re- mirror and remember that at some point in our lives, we have been stuck as well. We said that whenever we find ourselves stuck, all of us, we either say or we think the very same thing. We all say, okay, well, listen, well, you know, nobody is perfect. And we recognize that when we say this very familiar phrase, that in fact we're saying something much more profound and much more true than we realize, because what we're saying is there is in fact a perfect that nobody is, right? And when we recognize that, what we're, when we're acknowledging that there's a standard that is outside of us, a standard that we did not create, and yet that we continually fall short of, a standard that we are accountable to, and we said that that whole feeling of accountability, it's a little counterintuitive. Because truthfully, accountable is hopeful. It's hopeful because it means that God is actually speaking to our hearts and to our consciences about his best for us. That being stuck in no way means that God is condemning us. In fact, it's the exact opposite. That the whole reason Jesus was sent into this earth in the first place is to rescue us and to lead us out of whatever it is that has us stuck in life right now. Last week we saw how Jesus very intentionally, how he invited people who were stuck to follow him while they were stuck. And we said many of us have a similar sounding story. Because we would say that, um, we would say, okay, I got stuck and I gave up. Jesus showed up and I followed him out. And so today as we wrap up this series together... We're going to begin our discussion around something else that followers of Jesus have always believed as it relates to being stuck. And this connects directly back to something that we said last week, which is that according to Jesus, right, the best way for us to picture God is as a heavenly father. That even though God is spirit and God is invisible and God is all these things that no words completely sum up or describe... The the very best way, the easiest way, the clearest picture that we're going to have on this side of eternity, Jesus said, is to think about God as a heavenly father. And just like what is most important to any good earthly parent is relationship. Relationship is the thing that is most important to your heavenly father as well. And so he loves you and that relationship is important to, to, to him right now, even if what you are right now is stuck. But because he is a good heavenly father... He has decided not to leave you that way, which means that for us, following Jesus, right, and this is the part that might be new for you, following Jesus is not one great big never-ending cycle of getting stuck and then asking for forgiveness, right, getting stuck and asking for forgiveness. That's not following Jesus, that's having a boyfriend, right, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll do better next time. I'm sorry, I'll be more polite next time. I'm sorry, I'll be on time next time, right? That's not following Jesus. In fact, if you are not a follower of Jesus, then this might actually be the reason why. In fact, if this whole idea, if this whole understanding of church or this style or brand of church where it's just a never-ending cycle of of getting stuck and then getting forgiveness over and over and over again, if that drives you crazy, listen, I understand why that drives you crazy because it drives me crazy, because what it does, really, is, is, it, uh, is it distorts and it changes. Really, it's a perversion of what our Heavenly Father and who our Heavenly Father really is. In fact, maybe some of you have been told or taught as you were growing up um, that when you ask God to forgive you, that, that somehow God forgets your sins, right? Wouldn't that be convenient In fact, maybe if you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe this is a reason why. In fact, the reason why this is such a damaging idea is because what it does is it changes who Jesus says that our Heavenly Father is. It changes him from being a good Heavenly Father into being a forgetful old man. And see, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this might be the reason why. Because if you thought that, you know, getting stuck and getting forgiveness, that this is what following Jesus is all about, then, then maybe you thought to yourself, Okay, let me get this straight. What you're saying is, you can go out and you can do whatever it is that you want to do, and then um, whenever that is over for you, right, you just say the magic forgive me words, and your forgetful old man God, he just forgets everything that you just did. That can't possibly be true. And see, the truth is, you're right. That is not true. And so here's some good news, bad news for, for all of us, right? God, He does not forget our sins. I mean, wouldn't that be convenient? Wouldn't that be easy? Right? I mean, wouldn't you be able to be a much better husband if you could just forget your wife's sins? I mean, wives, couldn't you just be a much, much better wife if you could just forget about all of your husband's sins? Do you think God has any clue about what's actually in the pages of this book? Do you think God remembers that little event between David and Bathsheba, right? See, God, no, God, God doesn't forget your sins. Remember he said two weeks ago that the best way for us to actually think about and to picture our Heavenly Father in those moments when we're stuck is to think about a a good father teaching a toddler how to walk. Right? And every time that little toddler falls down, the father picks them up and cheers them on. Right? Every time you get stuck, every time you fall down, every time you sin, right? your good heavenly father, he is there to help you up and he is there to cheer you on to try again. So when you cry out to God for help and for forgiveness, that is great because that is the first step in following Jesus. That's what opens the door and invites your heavenly father in to help you. But see, the truth is this, and maybe you've never thought about this before, you don't actually even want your Heavenly Father to forget what you've done. Because you you want Him to know you. you. You want Him to know exactly who you are. His love for you and His forgiveness for you means He does not condemn you or hold those sins against you. That He actually wants you to be unstuck. And so when you, if you struggle with with addiction, right, and you find yourself falling over and over and over again, your Heavenly Father, he never gets tired of helping you up. We know that relapse is in fact part of recovery. And see, your good Heavenly Father, he knew that long before any of us did. And he never gets tired of cheering you on and standing you back up again. And if you lie because you're so connected and fixated on other people's approval that you just cannot help but resist making yourself look really really good in the eyes of other people see your heavenly father is cheering you on too and you absolutely the first step is to talk to him and confess that sin to him and let him show you what he wants for you but i promise you it's going to be so much more than you simply learning how to tell the truth it's going to be learning the truth about who you are in his eyes That you are loved unconditionally, apart from other people's ideas about you. His forgiveness, your Heavenly Father's forgiveness, is not not knowing about what you've done. It's knowing exactly what you've done. And fully loving you. And fully accepting you. In spite of all of our sins. See, following Jesus is not about doing the same stuff over and over and over again and getting forgiveness over and over. It is way, 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 way better than that. And we dare not reduce following Jesus down to simply having a boyfriend or turn God into some kind of forgetful old man. Following Jesus is not either of those two things. And that's what we're going to talk about together today as we wrap up our series, Stuck. And my hope is that for those of you who are followers of Jesus, that you will in fact get a much bigger, a much broader view of what following Jesus is all about and what your Heavenly Father wants to do in you as you follow Jesus. And for those of you who are not followers of Jesus, I hope that you'll get a different perspective as well. And what you might come to realize is maybe that very thing that kind of makes you push away from Jesus, that may in fact be one of the very things that Jesus himself pushed away from. And once again, the person who explains all of this to us is the Apostle Paul. Open up your Bibles to Philippians. The first chapter of Philippians, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1. We're going to begin reading together in verse 3. You can follow along uh, on the screen. You can follow along on your device. You can follow along if you're in the room and one of the Bibles in, seat, in the seat back in front of you. And we're going to put all these verses up here on the screen as well. The Apostle Paul begins in verse 3 by saying this. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Now, he hasn't actually seen these people that he's writing to in about 10 years, but he's saying, every time I think about you, I thank God for you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with great joy, Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, this is kind of the setup, right? This is the introduction for what it is the Apostle Paul wants to say to us today and what the point of our message is today. But i got to just pause here for for just a moment because as I was um, reading this section of scripture this week and as I was thinking about what it is that as a church we are finally able to do starting this weekend, that we're finally able to welcome all of you live through our live stream, that we're beginning to reopen so much of our ministry. As I thought about the fact that we are gearing up to engage our community in what is perhaps one of the most emotionally difficult and stressful periods in recent history. I'm not making this up. I thought of so many of you, so many of you who have given your time, you've given your talent, you've given your treasure to make sure that while our building was closed, that our church remained open, that while our services were being pre-recorded, that our ministry would actually move forward, that in the midst of an incredible economic slowdown, that you would continue to give sacrificially to support people you don't even know, (laughs) people you don't even know in our community. And so I'm not kidding. I am, just like the Apostle was, so, so incredibly grateful for so many of you. Because what you have done is you have partnered, we have partnered together, right? We have all partnered together to bring the good news of Jesus into every single relationship, both inside and outside of this place. In fact, just two weekends ago, After the 11 o'clock service, I got to speak with a woman who was here with us in person for the third time. Now, she had been watching for a couple of months online through Faith Troy at Home because a friend told her about that. But I listened to her tell her story with tears in her eyes as she spoke about how much being connected to this place, how much that has meant to her, and how God has used that to begin to transform and to change her life. And the reason why that happens, the reasons why we keep hearing stories of life change, it has nothing to do with any of us individually. But it has everything to do with the fact that this is a place that is filled with people who give up their hearts every single week to bring Jesus into every relationship. People who have refused to dumb down following Jesus to nothing more than be good, stay out of trouble, and learn how to behave yourself. Instead, this is a place that is filled with men and women who understand the importance of the church. They understand the significance of following Jesus and they realize that following Jesus is so much more than just simply having AAA on speed dial for those moments when you get stuck. And if that does not make sense to you, just go back to last weekend's message and watch that again and it'll all click. So then the Apostle Paul picks up with what it is that he wants to talk about today and he says this, he says, being confident of this. Right? In other words, he says, I am absolutely certain beyond a shadow of a doubt that what I'm about to say is going to happen. He says, being confident of this, that he, right, that's God, he who began a good work in you. Right? That when you began following Jesus, the, the reason that happened is in fact because God began. Right? You didn't realize that maybe. But that's what the Apostle Paul is saying, is that God actually began something in you. And see, this is what connects back to what it is that we said last week. For all of us, whenever we find ourselves stuck, our natural reaction is to say to our Heavenly Father, to say to God, okay, God, I want you to fix it. But Jesus says, no, follow me. Right? No, fix it. No, follow me. Fix it. Follow me. Fix it is now. Follow me is a process. And what the Apostle Paul is helping us to understand is that what God has begun in you, what he was so confident that he would complete in you and in these followers of Jesus, was a process that God was changing them, that God was growing them. And that growth takes time. Because the end stage for a follower of Jesus, the end game is always maturity. You can cram for an exam, but you cannot cram for maturity. And what the Apostle Paul is explaining here is a principle known as the principle of the harvest, that you plant a seed, but then you have to wait. And what he is saying is that he is absolutely confident, I am absolutely confident that God is growing in you this seed that he has planted in you, and that growth is going to take time. But where is that growth going to show up? It's going to show up in you. Now, the Apostle Paul goes on, and again, this is huge because what he's explaining to us is that following Jesus, what it is actually about, not this whole big cycle of forgiveness, getting forgiveness and getting unstuck and doing that over and over again, getting stuck, getting forgiveness. It's not about that. He's about to explain that following Jesus is all about God doing something in you in order to bring something out of you, right? That God works inside of us to bring something out of us. That following Jesus is not about behavior modification. It's not learning how to, to be good or to behave or to just stay out of trouble. That following Jesus is about our Heavenly Father renewing our hearts and renewing our minds. And that our Heavenly Father, that he wants to renew our hearts and renew our minds so that ultimately there will be something different that comes out of us because it's something different that he has done inside of us. What we need to learn how to do is to actually participate with our Heavenly Father in that process, because He has begun something, and that process is going to take time, and it's going to happen inside of you. And then the Apostle Paul goes on and he says this, he says, God will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus Which means that what your Heavenly Father is doing in every single one of you right now, that is a lifelong process. As long as you're following Jesus, as long as you're alive, right? Your Heavenly Father, he is going to continue to work inside of you, to accomplish something on the inside of you that ultimately will become visible on the outside of you, right? Because again, and you've heard me say this before, Your Heavenly Father is not trying to keep something from you. Jesus does not want to get something from you. No, what your Heavenly Father wants and what Jesus wants is something for you. Because your Heavenly Father is working to complete something in you. Now, as I was trying to think about all this and, and try to kind of wrap this up and explain this in, in maybe some, some, some easier terminology, um, I, I kind of s- struggled with this because I thought the easy thing would be to do to grab a church word or grab a Bible word or grab, you know, a big theological word and kind of use that um, in, in this place. But, but the truth is, if I did that, 90% of us would be like, okay, you know, that's great, but if I'm honest, I have no clue what that practically means, so, so here's some, some different um, ter- terminology. Do you, you know what your Heavenly Father is actually trying to do inside of you? you? You've seen this in other people, right? Have you ever met somebody before, and after spending a little bit of time with them, you thought to yourself, okay, um, she is just such a quality person, right? He is just such a quality person. And the more that you spend time with them, the more you come to realize that there is a depth, right? There is a maturity, that there is a sense of identity and a sense of security that, that is not natural. That they are just such a quality, quality person. That there's just something about them. It's actually on the inside of them, but it shows up on the outside of them. And see, the truth is, we've all met people like that. Right? And that's a picture. That's a, a little illustration of what it means to answer this question, okay, what is it that my Heavenly Father actually wants to do inside of me and inside of you? What is it that he is carrying on to completion as you follow Jesus? See, he wants to mature you, and he wants to secure you. He wants to make you more mature And he wants to make you more secure. And the way that you participate in that is just by saying to God, God, I don't understand everything that it is that you're doing in me, but I know that you've begun something. And so please do not let the old me get in the way of the new me that you are making. Because see, the truth is, oftentimes growth, especially spiritual growth, it looks like this. I I don't really feel like I'm getting any better, but I can tell that I'm not where I once was. And see the truth is this person at the end of the day this person becomes more mature and they become more secure. And the reason why this kind of person stands out to us when we meet them. The reason why this is so obvious in somebody else is because ultimately our identity is connected to our creator. And when you separate creature from creator, right? You create an insecurity that's almost insurmountable. But as a, as a follower of Jesus, when you, when you follow Jesus, there's a reestablishing of connection between creature and creator. There is reestablishing of relationship with your heavenly father. And that results in a sense of identity and security that goes way beyond things like family of origin or birth order. It even goes way beyond those stuck moments in our past. It is a powerful, powerful thing. And see, the truth is you've met people like that. See, that's a picture. That's an illustration of what is it that our Heavenly Father is working to complete in every one of you as you follow Jesus. And then Paul goes on in verse 9, and he says this. and so He says, okay, so this is my prayer. Right? He's saying, I'm absolutely confident that, that God is going to finish in you what He has begun in you, and, and I know God's working in you. And so, because of that, Paul says, this is how I'm going to pray for you. Right? And everybody kind of eyes up here for just a moment. I don't want you to read ahead just for for right now. So up here, eyes up here. Right? Before you read ahead and you look at what the Apostle Paul says his prayer for you is, let me just ask you. Right? What do you pray for you? When you pray for you, what do you pray for you? Because see, the truth is, the Apostle Paul's prayer for you is huge, and it tips us off as to what it is that our Heavenly Father is working to complete inside of every single one of us. In other words, if you were to say to God, Heavenly Father, I do not know what it is that you have begun in me, so what does that look like? The Apostle Paul's prayer is going to give us a big clue. He goes on and he says this, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Isn't that what you pray for you? Right? I mean, how weird is this, right? Have you ever prayed this for yourself in your entire life? No. No, we don't, we don't pray this way, do we? No, look at what the Apostle Paul says. He says, my, we'll take it at the beginning, and this is my prayer, that your love, right? When was the last time you actually prayed about your own love, See, the truth is, we pray about other people's love all the time. You pray your wife, you pray your husband, you pray your kids or your parents or your friends. You pray that they will love you better all the time. But when was the last time you prayed about your own love? And see, the Apostle Paul is telling us this is at the very center of what God is doing, what he wants to develop in each and every one of you. And and, and you're sitting there and you're thinking, okay, Joe, that's nice and all, but where did Stuck go? Like, what does this have to do, right, with us being stuck we're going to get there in just a minute he says and this is my prayer for you that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight in other words he's saying I want you to learn to love I want you I'm praying Paul says that your love for each other right that's what this is referring to not your love for God I'm praying that your love for other people, that it would actually get bigger and better, that it would get more and more, that it would grow, that it would abound, he says. I'm praying that as you follow Jesus, you would learn how to be a better lover of people, not a better rule keeper. This is so incredibly important. Do not miss this. He goes on and he says in verse 10, so that, this is why it matters, so that you may be able to discern or figure out, right, what is best, not just what I can get by with, so that you may be pure, as in there's nothing mixed in, and blameless until the day of Christ. See, Paul says, I want you to be blameless in the way that you treat other people. I want you to learn and discern How to get better at loving other people. I mean, come on, have you ever prayed that for yourself? In your entire life? Do you know that is at the center of what it is that your Heavenly Father wants to carry on to completion inside of you as you follow Jesus? It's not about making you gooder. It's not about making you a better behavior. It's not about our invisible love for an invisible God. That's not it. The mark of a Jesus follower, Paul is saying, is that when a person can love another person who is, in fact, difficult to love, that one of the signs of maturity, in fact, one of the signs of emotional health, is when you can actually see another person the way that God sees that person, and you can respond to them accordingly. And see, as your pastor as your pastor, I want you to participate in everything that your Heavenly Father is doing inside of you as you follow Jesus. And here's where all this applies to what we've been talking about together over the last couple weeks. This is how this applies to stuck. And you may not have thought about it in these terms before, and I'll be honest with you, um, this is going to be a little bit hard, okay? And I am not trying to be insensitive in any way. But every stuck experience, right? every, especially for those of you who are stuck right now, you, you actually know this. Every stuck experience comes prepackaged with its own list of bad options. And choosing one of those options is only going to make you more stuck. It's only going to dig the hole deeper and deeper. And eventually, eventually the day will come where every stuck experience that's currently happening in this room and in, this, in your life, every one of those experiences eventually is going to be reduced down to a sentence or two, right? This entire season that you would say is the most painful, the most hurtful, the most difficult, the most complicated season of my entire life, the day will come where this whole season of life will be summed up in just a sentence or two. Five years ago, I went through a really terrible divorce. One sentence. All the pain, all the suffering, all the heartbreak of the divorce, one sentence. Four years ago, I had to de- declare bankruptcy. Right, All the embarrassment of the bankruptcy, all, of, all those emotions, all the, those feelings of guilt, all summed up in one single sentence. Three years ago, I got arrested. Two years ago, I had to drop out of school. Seven or eight years ago, I, my wife and I went through a very difficult time, and we were actually separated for a while. Fifteen years ago, my spouse was diagnosed with a chronic disease. All these major, major life events, right? You know this, right? Isn't this true? The time will come where all these major life events, they will all be summed up in nothing more than a sentence or two. And see here, please do not miss this part. Your response to stuck is in fact the real story. Stuck is stuck. Stuck. And once you're stuck, there is nothing that you can do about it. You cannot unscramble eggs. You cannot go back in history and relive any events. The real story, the real story, is your response to stuck. Men, for those of you who have been to base camp, this is why you love base camp. Because when you go to base camp, you hear the real story and not simply the stuck story. And your response to whatever it is that has you stuck in life right now, that is what becomes the permanent part Of your story. So if you're stuck in life right now, here's the question you need to ask yourself today. What's the story that I want to tell? Right, when people hear that you went through a divorce five years ago, what's the story that you want to tell now that you're coming out of that divorce? When people discover that you had to file bankruptcy three years ago or that you filed just now, just this past week, what is the story that you want to tell coming out of that? What did you do as a result? You got caught, fine. You got busted, fine. What was your response? Because, see, your response to however it is that you are stuck right now, that is what becomes the permanent part of your life story. And so let me ask it this way. What option do you want to make a permanent part of your story? And see, the truth is, I can actually answer this question for you. You know what the answer is? It's the virtuous option. It's the love option. It's the option that comes as a result of pursuing maturity and security. It's the option that comes as a result of following Jesus. I faced up when I told her the truth. No, I turned myself in. No, I promised them that no matter how long it would take, even if it took the rest of my life, I would pay back every single penny. I promised the dean that if they would give me a second chance, I'll do whatever it is that they wanted me to do if they would just let me back into school. I study harder than I've ever studied before in my life. What do you want to be the permanent part of the story of your life? That's the story. That's the real story. Everybody gets stuck. That's not a story. The real story is how you respond to being stuck. And see, your response, right, your response comes from allowing your heavenly father to complete what it is that he has begun in you. The response you want is the response that comes from learning to love and learning to pursue maturity And security, that's the real story that you want to tell when you come out of being stuck. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, all of this is true today. I hope this is useful to you. I hope that you'll keep watching. I hope that you'll come back. But if you are a follower of Jesus, right, this is why your Heavenly Father refuses to let you treat him like AAA. This is why Jesus says, follow me. Because when you follow Jesus, he's actually going to lead you away from all of those bad options. He's going to lead you away from the things in life that people you know will in fact opt for. But Jesus says, no, I want you to follow me. And when you follow me, I'm going to walk you away from those bad options so that one day when you talk about your stuck story, you sum it up in one or two sentences about what it is that has you stuck in life right now. When that day comes, you won't have to lie. And you won't be a hypocrite. And you will not have used somebody else's bad behavior as an excuse to behave badly. And so Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. Because, see, listen, only Jesus can change your stuck story into part of his redemption story in your life because that's what Jesus does, right? He removes bad things. He redeems bad things. He brings beauty out of ugliness. He brings triumph out of tragedy. And see, when he does that in your life, when he does that for you, then your stuck story, it's simply going to be the context. It's simply going to become the footnote for the real story. The story of redemption in your life. So what is the story that Jesus wants to write in your life right now? Because that's the story you're gonna want to tell. Let me pray for you today. Heavenly Father. Father, please continue the work that you have begun in all of us. Father, grow our love. Mature us and secure us in who you say that we are. Father, that we may find our identity in you and not what has us stuck right now. And Jesus, we ask that you would be the one to write our story. Holy Spirit, we ask that you give us the faith that we need to follow in the meantime. And Jesus, we pray all of this in your incredible and your powerful, in your amazing name.